I'm Rob Daly. Welcome to UEFA Champions League Match Day Live. So the semi-finals kicked off this evening with a mid-drew derby and we were treated to an enthralling 90 minutes with who else? The difference on the night. Casemiro leaves it to Cristiano Ronaldo. It's another hat-trick. It's another brilliant performance from the Portuguese. Real Madrid 3, Atletico Madrid 0. Atletico will have to produce something very special at the Calderon if they're somehow to find a way back. Tomorrow evening sees the second semi-final get underway with Monaco hosting Juventus at the Stade Louis II. Radamel Falcao with a textbook diving header. It's Monaco 2, Borussia Dortmund 0. Deep to the back post, headed in! Juventus have a third goal! And it's Giorgio Chiellini! So a full preview of Wednesday's semi-final first leg between Monaco and Juventus to come, plus the best analysis and reaction to tonight's clash in Madrid. So stay with us right here on UEFA Champions League Match Day Live. Well, what an absorbing opening semi-final first leg we've had in the UEFA Champions League, with it finishing 3-0 at the Bernabeu to Real Madrid against Atletico. Alongside me on the show this evening is Andy Brassel. Andy, a performance, a memorable one as well for Cristiano Ronaldo. Yes, it certainly was, and there have been so many, and there are so many great numbers that, that still make your jaw drop. Um, but this was just... I think a really great example of, of what he's become, the best penalty box player in the world. The speed of his reactions, the improvisation of the finishes in every case um, that were, were absolutely astonishing. And that was what always was going to be needed in a, in a derby match like this. Back-to-back, uh, -back, UEFA Champions League hat-tricks for Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, has seven in the competition's history. Uh, let's hear how the match unfolded in Madrid. Commentary from UEFA.com's Richard Kaufman. They have it on the edge of the air again, Real Madrid. Sergio Ramos with a cross, headed away only as far as Casemiro. And there's Cristiano Ronaldo with the first goal of this UEFA Champions League semi-final. Did take long, nine minutes for Real Madrid to get their noses in front. The Coke's won it, feeds it into Gamera. Saved by Kayla Navas because it looked as if Gamero was going around him, but he stopped him in his path. Isco gives it back to Ronaldo, little step over, goes one way, trying to tease Lucas Hernandez, gets it across. Oh my goodness, Benzema with the acrobatic overhead kick almost finds the corner and just goes wide. What a goal that would have been! Benzema, edge of the area, he gives it to Ronaldo, who gets away from Felipe Luis and finds the corner. Gets to the byline, pulls it back. Casemiro leaves it to Cristiano Ronaldo. It's another hat trick. It's another brilliant performance from the Portuguese. And it's one foot into the final for Real Madrid. Lucas Vasquez, the tormentor. Cristiano Ronaldo, El Matador with the finish. Real Madrid three. Atletico Madrid nil. Well, it was 
the headlines will be all around Cristiano Ronaldo, who's now scored 13 goals in European Cup or UEFA Champions League semi-finals. Our commentator for this one, Richard Kaufman, joins us now. Uh, Richard, the performance shouldn't just be remembered, surely, for Cristiano Ronaldo's hat-trick, but for an overall wonderful team display. Yeah, he was the gloss on a brilliant performance with his uh, teammates. Uh, of course, you do need a Ronaldo, a special player like that, if you're going to do what Real Madrid potentially could do this season, which is break all sorts of records defending the UEFA Champions League, potential uh, league and UEFA Champions League doubles in it in Zidane, has a wonderful squad at his disposal, a wonderful performance by all 14 players. I mean, Kayla Navas, you heard in the commentary there, when he was called into action, which wasn't very often, but it can be hard sometimes as a goalkeeper when you, you know, you, you spectator much of the night, when he was called into action, did what he needed to do. The only downside, of course, they lost their right back. It looks like it might be a uh, a bad injury for Danny Carvajal. Hopefully he's going to be back soon, but obviously we'll only find out over the next 24 hours or so. But throughout the team, Varane stepped into the team. It was only his third appearance since mid-February. Looked like he'd been playing week in, week out. Obviously Sergio Ramos alongside him. I mean, I'm going through the whole team here. Marcelo obviously so potent going forward as well. Uh, Casemiro didn't put a foot wrong. And then you go to the substitutes, you know, Isco, who was maybe the pick of the bunch uh, outside of Ronaldo, going off. You thought, oh, he's going off. He's been so good. Crowd are cheering his name. The man that came on for him, Marco Asensio, was electric. He was absolutely astounding, as he was in the two legs when he came on as a substitute against Bayern München and tormented uh, poor old Lucas Hernandez, who thought he'd done a big job tonight by trying to keep Cristiano Ronaldo as quiet as he could for that opening 70 minutes. So, yes, it was a brilliant all-round performance from the coach through to the squad, everyone involved in Real Madrid. And I suppose that's what you need if you are going to open up a gap against a quality team, a team that defends... I mean, Atletico Madrid don't normally concede three goals. I mean, it doesn't happen to them. They don't concede three goals in 10 matches, never mind three goals in 90 minutes. Brilliant performance, uh, a match-winning performance, uh, potentially, it seems, a tie-winning performance from them as well. But I think your point about the substitutions and the players coming in with Isco coming in in the absence of Gareth Bale is a really interesting one, Richard, because it's something that has really defined Real Madrid's season, that has lifted them above Barcelona domestically, even if it's very close for the, the race in La Liga, and that looks like it's going to make the difference in the UEFA Champions League. The fact that Zinedine Zidane has always managed to use the players around the 11 extremely effectively. It's something that's worked really well for him all season. And that is really, I think, what marks him out as, as a great, a developing great coach at the moment. You know, developing all-time great coach, arguably, because if he's heads for, heading for a second UEFA Champions League title, you know, that puts you up there with the absolute greats. You know, you need more than 11 players. He's got huge trust in the players, in some of the younger players around the squad. You look at the impact that Lucas Vasquez made when he came on. Um, Marco Asensio, as you say, for the third uh, UEFA Champions League game in a row. And that everything is built around... Casemiro, who, you know, the, the club almost sold um, onto Porto. Well, they did sell onto Porto. They had to cancel the, the automatic purchase option to, to get him back. I mean, you know, people laughed at the time that they were paying seven and a half million euros for, for, for someone who was already their player. But it, it turned out to be an absolute bargain because he has been 
absolutely immense. He, he was that again tonight. The midfield was where all the power came from for, for Real Madrid. Andy, how has Zinedine Zidane managed to keep such a, a big collective of strong, very good players happy? You, you hinted there that it's been one of one of his primary strengths since he took over as, as Real Madrid boss. Well, I think every great coach in, in the game, Rob, manages to keep everyone involved, especially in the modern era where you, you can't do it with 12 or 13 players, even if you don't get injuries, because football is so physically intense, uh, football's so fast and athletic. So, you know, even if you don't have any injuries, players get tired. You know, they, they can't play 60 games and, mm. uh, and not have little dips. So... Um, you know, we've heard Richard talk before about, you know, the, the, the fabled Real Madrid B team that played at Deportivo La Coruña last week and, and won 6-2. And, of course, it makes a difference to, to have great players. But the fact that the players know there's meritocracy, that they know that if they perform at a good enough level, they will get their chance. And we've seen that with Asensio. We've seen that with Lucas Vasquez, who, of course, stepped in for Cristiano Ronaldo when he was injured in the semi-final last year against Manchester City. That makes a real difference. And the fact that he's got total buy-in, of course, because of what he was as a player, um, gives him huge respect. What he is to the club and what he's remained as, at the club, I, th I think, is a huge part. That he was part of the victory in, in 2014 as, as Carlo Ancelotti's assistant makes a difference. They know him. And the fact that he keeps everything so simple, I think, is very, very important. Players know exactly where they stand with him. Uh, so Real Madrid 3-0 winners, uh, Atletico comfortably beaten and deservedly beaten. Uh, let's hear from one of their defenders, uh, the former Manchester City player, Stefan Savage. We wanted to play on a different way tonight and uh, try to score a goal, but uh, we didn't play our game. And now it's going to be difficult because we lost 3-0 without scoring a goal. But we are going to believe until the end because uh, there is still 90 minutes to play. It's going to be very, very difficult, but uh, we don't give up. We, we believe that we can recover this loss. Of course, Real Madrid have ended Atletico's UEFA Champions League hopes for each of the last three seasons, including the 2014 and 2016 finals. It could be four in a row. Richard, where did things go wrong, in your view, for Atletico at the Bernabeu? Well, well first of all, I mean, you've got to feel <laughs> Diego Simeone. Here they are again. Real Madrid, you know, their local neighbours. A team they've had some success against domestically, but when it comes to European competition... They always just seem to come out at second best, even when at times they've been so close to the finishing line. But tonight, it wasn't a great team performance. Sometimes you have to give credit to the opposition. And I think a lot of the reason was because of the brilliance of Real Madrid tonight, in particular, of course, the finishing of Cristiano Ronaldo. But there were be a few players that feel that maybe they weren't at their best tonight. For whatever reason that may be, because of the opposition or maybe down to their, their own self. They weren't helped, of course, by the fact that, you know, they were missing a couple of players. A couple of players that have only just come back to fitness, like Carrasco. I mean, how fit was he? There was no one that really could influence the game for them, particularly in midfield. They lost possession when they had possession too easily. And that allowed a team of the quality of Real Madrid to, to really blossom. Yeah. They know they were second best tonight. The, the scoreline is reflective of the 90 minutes that we saw. And it's a, a huge uphill task now, of course, for them in what will be a, a very emotional night for them on May the 10th at the Vicente Calderon, of course, the last ever European match at that stadium. Uh, well, Diego said we're all blessed of hindsight. Will Diego Simeone look back at his 11 and say that was too adventurous 
for an away game first leg in the last four of this competition? I, th I think he was a bit pinched for choice, really. You look at what there was on the bench, and there's not an enormous amount of options there. Another would really change Yeah, the I, I think it, it has been difficult because if you'd have gone back two weeks, there were options because Jose Jimenez, of course, who was slated to be the standing right back, normally a centre-half, of course, getting injured at the weekend against Las Palmas. He gives you an extra option because he's played in defensive midfield to really good effect in, in, in the last couple of weeks as well. Very versatile player. He's not there. Um, Thiago has not played a lot of football in, in the last year or so. Of course, you were saying he was, he's, he's turned 36 today and, you know, he's, he's there, but he's not going to come in for a, a game like this. So I, I do think he's rather more squeezed for options than he, he would want to be as well. It's, it's, it's very, very difficult to, to see how he could have played it differently. You can understand why they wanted to come for an away goal because I think, of course, we can say at 3-0 is virtually impossible for Atletico Madrid to come back. But I think, in all honesty, 2-0 is immensely difficult as well. 1-0 mm. is still a really good result for Real Madrid. They definitely needed that away goal and they gave themselves every chance to get it. But as Richard was saying, the performance just wasn't good enough tonight by the extremely high standards they've set. If you look at Atletico Madrid over the years, you know, the players that they've had, you know, the Diego Costas, of course, Torres came and went back again now. Every week, Antoine Griezmann's asked about his future. So too is Diego Simeone. They do tend to sell their best players and it's incredible what they've achieved. They're in the semi-finals. Again, of course, that'll be little consolation to Atletico Madrid fans and to the players and the management there right now. But they've done it extremely well to be in this position. But they'll be, they, they weren't good tonight. And I, I do think their best players potentially can be that midfield three, Coque and Saul and Gabi. And they weren't as a trident at, the, at where they needed to be to really threaten Real Madrid. There was no real creativity amongst that. Carrasco, Griezmann never got a, a, a potential chance on goal. Gomero had a chance but couldn't take it. And uh, yeah, another night where they've lost out to Real Madrid in Europe and uh, it'll be sickening for them and their fans. Well, Diego Simeone since in, in one of his post-match interviews has said uh, the unexpected things can happen I think we still have a chance. The last ever European game at the Calderon, a Madrid derby, 3-0 down. If we had to sort of give it a percentage chance of Atletico even of turning it around or taking it to extra time or anything, what are we saying? I mean, we're, we're pretty sure the Real Madrid are in the final, are we? Yeah, I think five, maybe. It has to be a performance for the ages. If you want a reason to believe, it is because it's the last game the Vicente Calderon, <laughs> and it is because it's Atletico Madrid who we can say this is Real Madrid's competition and all the other t clubs are just playing in it. And I think when you look back at 60-plus years of European Champion Clubs Cup and UEFA Champions League, you have to say that. You know, they've won it 11 times and, you know, they've come again in, in recent years. However, Atletico Madrid have contributed a lot to this competition under Diego Simeone. And, you know, you do feel that there has to be some some kind of push. Yeah, there, there, there is a chance. It's 3-0, and recent history shows that the unlikely sometimes becomes the possible. But, 
it is a slim chance. I think 5% is generous. Potentially, that is where they're at because of the emotion of the night. And if they score the first goal, for example, then suddenly there'll be that wave and the huge noise from the crowd. But the problem for them, I think the biggest problem for them will be denying Real Madrid an away goal. An away goal, because obviously that would make their task even, even harder. And, you know, we've seen what quality Real Madrid have in so many different departments. Try stopping that. It's going to be really, really tough for them to and, do that. And Real Madrid won 3-0 there this season. Ronaldo has Yes, they, they did. And we've seen in UEFA Champions League semi-finals before that they are very, very dangerous on the counter-attack. We saw that tonight. You know, when Atletico had to try and push... When they were stretched, For, for, yeah. for that, that, that away goal, that that was the bit where Real Madrid really took them apart. And, you know, there was that extra anxiety after the, the second goal as well. And it could have been more. It definitely could have been more. Uh, don't forget to join us on Wednesday the 10th of May for all the build-up and full commentary of the second leg, of course, also in Madrid, will be on air from 19.30 Central European time right here on Match Day Live. OK, coming up, we're going to look ahead to Wednesday's other semi-final first leg between Monaco and Juventus. Dizemos não ao racismo. Nein zu racismus. Nein til racismo. Não ao racismo. Nein til racismo. Não ao racismo. Cristiano Ronaldo, Manuel Neuer, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Vincent Kompany, Caroline Segar and Lionel Messi are just a few of the European football stars saying no to racism. European football united against racism. Respect. You're listening to UEFA Champions League Match Day Live. So let's concentrate on Wednesday's semi-final first leg now between Monaco and Juventus. The Liga side knocked out Borussia Dortmund in the last round, while Juve eliminated Barcelona with a superb display, especially in Turin. Let's speak to our commentator for the match of the Stade Louis Deux. It is Phil Blacker who joins us on the show. Phil, thank you very much uh, for coming on. What a game this should be at the Stade Louis Deux on Wednesday. Absolutely fascinatingly uh, poised, isn't it, Rob? Uh, lends itself to, to all sorts of contrast, doesn't it, with the, uh, the fabulous attack of, of Monaco, one of the standout attacking teams of the competition this season, against the incredible defence of, of Juventus, showcased by that second leg in particular, that defensive masterclass against uh, Barcelona. And if they, they can shut out Messi and Neymar and Suarez, then many people believe they should be able to do it against Monaco in the semi-final. But it's not necessarily going to be that straightforward, is it, given the... Uh, the youthful vibrancy, the, the attacking football that we've seen from Monaco. I think from a, a purist point of view, this could not be set up any better going into the, uh, the first leg. Now, Phil, you talked about Monaco's attacking potency this season. I mean, one of the main things Leonardo Jardim did last summer was to improve his leaky defence, bringing Camel Glick, Gibral Sidibe and Benjamin Mendy. I mean, really, Sidibe and Mendy have been a huge part of what's made them such an attacking force. And Sidibe, having had his appendix out recently, is back in the squad, and that's big, isn't it? It is big. It remains to be seen whether he's going to start the game or not, but because of his importance that you've uh, just alluded to there, Andy, I think that there's every chance that he might. It depends 
You know exactly how well he's trained. We're not quite privy to, to that information, but the fact that he's back in the squad is, is a huge boost for them and uh, suggests to me that he is likely to be involved. I think they've done really good business over the last couple of years. Met Juventus, of course, didn't they, in the, uh, the quarterfinals of the UEFA Champions League a couple of seasons ago when uh, both coaches were in their respective first years in charge. Two very different teams will be meeting in the semi-finals this time around. Wherever you look, though, in that, that Monaco side, there are attacking threats. Of course, Mbappe, with, uh, with 18 goals in his last 18 games, has stolen a lot of the headlines so far. But he was one of the first to make the point that it's been a very collective effort. We've seen Radamel Balcao, by his own admission, get back to his best. He says he's found peace again, and, and his presence alongside Mbappe, I think, gives him the, the freedom to make the runs and, and to roam and do the damage that we've seen so far, but this is going to be the uh, the ultimate test for them against this Juventus defence. who faced challenges like this before, not necessarily maybe this season, but uh, if anybody can cope with the, with the attacking outlet of Monaco, then it's, it's probably going to be Juve. Let's hear from the Monaco head coach, now Leonardo Jardim, who knows what a difficult match-up his side have ahead of them. Juventus are a completely different side to the teams we've already faced in this competition, such as Dortmund and Manchester City. Those teams were offensive, whereas Juventus managed to combine this with a very strong defence. We will have to pay special attention to their set pieces. They can be very dangerous from both free kicks and corners. We'll have to pass the ball quickly and attack in numbers and I imagine it will be very difficult for us to break them down. Leonardo Jardim there, the Monaco head coach. They are very close to the Liga title now, a 3-1 win over Toulouse of the weekend and a victory for Nice over their closest challengers. Paris Saint-Germain has put them on the brink. Uh, Phil Blacker, they take on a Juve side who are only four points away from the Serie A title, and I suppose that the performance against Barcelona was, was the benchmark for Max Legri and his team. I think it was. Uh, it shows just you know how uh, integral a part of the side that defence has been because uh, they were just absolutely outstanding, weren't they, in, in that game, in that second leg. Uh, but equally impressive going forward, it, it's easy to make the, the comparisons, isn't it, between the, the Monaco attack and the Juventus defence. But, but Juve have been in pretty impressive form as well. I think they've had 11 different goal scorers themselves in the UEFA Champions League uh, so far this season. So they will have a, a part to play at the other end of the pitch, certainly as well, but it all seems to be coming into place for them, doesn't it? Still, as you say, well clear now of, of Roma at the top of Serie A. Looks to be a, a matter of, of um, when, not if, they'll, they'll wrap up that sixth successive Scudetto title there in the Coppa Italia final again. They'll hope that that's going to have to be moved in the, in the fixture list because there would be a clash with the UEFA Champions League final. That is the one that they want to really go on and make history in a couple of years, having uh, lost to Barcelona in that final. They think they've learned all sorts of lessons from them. There is the sense that it is coming together just at the right time at this stage of the season. The momentum is with them, but equally, as you kind of alluded to, Monaco could, could say the same. I know they had a couple of damaging cup defeats to Paris Saint-Germain. Those heavy defeats might be something that Juventus will look at as a, a potential uh, game plan of their own to try and uh, replicate that sort of success that Paris had in the one-off cup games, but it hasn't really affected the Monaco momentum or the belief in the squad is their display at Toulouse at the weekend is anything to go by. It's funny, Phil, you touched on the 2015 final and how Juve have sort of grown since then. And it's funny because their, their midfield on paper looks a lot weaker than it did in the 2015 final. It's been decimated, really, if, if you think of the, the losses of Pogba, um, Vidal, uh, Pirlo, of course, uh, going to the US. Uh, but 
it's interesting how Massimiliano Allegri has kind of circumvented that by just stuffing a load of attacking players into the into the same team. And people wondered whether it would really work when it got to the business end of the UEFA Champions League. But they proved against Barcelona that it could. They did, and he's kind of put players in, in positions where you wouldn't necessarily have expected them. You're right, they, they don't have the, the big-name superstars in the midfield that they did have uh, a couple of years ago. And they'll be without another key player in that position um, in the, the first leg with Sami Kadira suspended as well. But Claudio Marquisio is, is likely to, to slot in there, so you would imagine there wouldn't be too much disruption in terms of the, the continuity of selection. But who would have thought maybe that Mario Mandzukic would be operating in a kind of wide left role in this 4-2-3-1 formation that uh, Allegri has, has tended to stick with uh, this season. Depala playing behind Higuain, of course, has been the, the major goal threat uh, in, in Serie A. They, they've made it work, haven't they? Quadrado on the, on the right of, uh, of that three just seems to have, have gelled. And it, uh, Allegri, I, I was going to say, stumbled across this formation, but that's probably doing him a, a huge disservice. Has found a way to uh, negotiate some considerably big-name departures and Juventus collectively to me, look a lot stronger, actually, than, uh, than a couple of years ago. Phil, thank you very much. Looking forward to your company tomorrow night. Phil Blacker, our commentator, on Wednesday for Monaco against Juventus in the UEFA Champions League. And he also, I mean, it could be a special season for Gigi Buffon. I think Juventus have conceded something like twice. They kept out Barcelona over two legs. How special would it be for Buffon to, to finally lift this trophy? Well, of course it would. Um, I, I don't think he's thinking that it's a last chance because at the moment he looks like someone who could go on forever and um, yeah. Neto in reserve must be thinking he's going to be very very old by the time he uh, makes it into the Juventus first team on a, on a semi-permanent basis um, of course it would it would mean a lot to him but you know it's, it's very much like I think another former Juve player Zlatan Ibrahimovic always says he's done extraordinary things in his career already you know, he, he's contributed hugely to the UEFA Champions League anyway. Whatever happens, I mean, it would be a great moment for him and I think so many people would be very pleased for him, but it shouldn't define his career. He's one of the greats anyway. Absolutely. Buffon, by the way, has predicted that Monaco will score in Turin and they put this to Leonardo Jardim and he said, yeah, I agree with Gigi Buffon. I think we'll score in Turin as well. They always score. It's not much of a they bet, do. is it? Uh, expect goals. Uh, between Monaco and Juventus over the two legs. I say that's going to be nil-nil, isn't it now? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, join us uh, for the full match, uh, Monaco against Juve on Wednesday. Uh, Richard Kaufman still with us for more reaction to uh, Real Madrid's 3-0 win over Atletico. Zinedine Zidane doing his post-match press conference at the moment, looking completely relaxed, and it's understandable why. Yeah, as you would, uh, going back to those predictions, I think we said at the start of the night we'd probably be surprised if there was more than two goals <laughs> yeah. tonight. Well, and we one got... player scored three. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, as you say, Zinedine Zidane Dan's been reflecting on that. He uh, has been quoted in that press conference. Uh, as you'd expect, he said, we played a great game. It's not easy to score three. We took the lead and had more chances in the first half. We're happy with the game to have scored three and above all, not to have conceded at home because we know how important away goals are. And uh, just from the opposition side, Diego Simeone saying, I'm relaxed. We're going to try and do something practically impossible next week. We're Atletico Madrid, and maybe, just maybe, we can do it. Does this help in terms of their, their challenge for the, the Spanish Liga title? Perhaps not. He might go, he'll probably go full strength again at the Calderon. They've got a lot of games to play. It's, it's, it's going to be very, very difficult for, for, for Real Madrid because 
they've, they've got more games to play. They've got that game away game at Felt of Ego to come, so it's going to be tough for them. But Zidane has proved that he is excellent, excellent at managing his resources. And, you know, we, we talked about it. They've got the best squad in Europe in terms of what he gets out of every single player, pound for pound. Yeah, 59 years it is since that's happened. La Liga, UEFA Champions League double. Real Madrid could do it because of what we've touched on many times tonight, because they have 20 or players at their disposal that can fit in the starting lineup. Obviously, certain players are going to be reserved for the biggest of matches and the toughest of opposition, but the other players are going to slot in very nicely as they did a week ago when they also managed to score twice as many goals as they did tonight <laughs> and scored six against Deportivo La Coruña. Fully fit Real Madrid. It's the final tomorrow. Does he play Bale or does he play Isco? Mm, it's a very good question. I, I would say he'll... It, what Zidane I, would play Zidane Bale. Zidane would play Bale, so it doesn't, care, it doesn't matter what Richard Kaufman thinks, yeah, it does, does it? <laughs> You're being asked. It matters to no, me, Richard. Because the, the answer is, it's going to be. it would be Gareth Bale, I think. I think that's who Zidane would pick. But we talked about the chance of a knockout competition, and Isco was the right player for this game. All along, just as he proved at the Vicente Calderon back in November. And he was one of the key men tonight, one of the absolute key men tonight, if not the one. OK, well, that leads us nicely to man of the match. Well, just so Richard can pick Cristiano Ronaldo, <laughs> I'm going to go for Isco. Oh, thanks, Andy. My yeah. pleasure. Yeah, yeah. No, just legendary status has to be Cristiano Ronaldo. Hat-trick again. Someone's, I've just had 47 Real Madrid hat-tricks right. now. Unbelievable. Uh, gents, thank you very much indeed. That's all we have time for on UEFA Champions League Match Day Live as the semi-finals started in blistering fashion in Madrid. And it's a Ronaldo-inspired Real Madrid who take a significant advantage into the second leg at the Calderon. Uh, join us again from 19.30 Central European time on Wednesday night for our second semi-final first leg tie. An intriguing encounter between Monaco and Juventus and it's sure to be another enthralling night in the UEFA Champions League. But until then, from Andy Brassel, Richard Kaufman, and myself, Rob Daly, it's goodbye. Sergio Ramos with a cross, headed away only as far as Casemiro, and there's Cristiano Ronaldo with the first goal of this UEFA Champions League semi-final. Marcelo finds Benzema, edge of the area, he gives it to Ronaldo, who gets away from Felipe Luiz and finds the corner with a thunderbolt of a right foot. Cristiano Ronaldo does it again. Lucas gets to the byline, pulls it back, Casemiro leaves it to Cristiano Ronaldo. It's another hat-trick, it's another brilliant performance from the Portuguese. And it's one foot into the final for Real Madrid. Vasquez, the tormentor, Cristiano Ronaldo, El Matador with the finish, Real Madrid 3, Atletico Madrid 0. You've been listening to UEFA Champions League Matchday Live.